0: hello and welcome to the wheel of crime podcast the podcast where two ladies play games mumble profanities and laugh way too often as well this podcast does cover topics of sensitive nature and as such listener discretion is advised back (laughs) but welcome my name is emily and my name is jen and you are listening to the wheel Wheel of of crime Crime. (laughs) we're so cute i know it's because we're not screaming for once (laughs) literally most of the time we're screaming Pretty much always. If it's not internally, it's externally. Yeah. I'm like, not even on purpose. No, this is just who we are as people. We're just like, Emma, I need
1: really <laughs> to tell you something!
0: Yeah. I don't know why. I just make turkey noises. Why are we like this? <laughs> it's because you are a turkey, though. Yeah, that that happens, too. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's just a thing. Huh, but would you like to tell tell the, the people what we are talking, what our topic is this week? We're talking...
1: Yes, people. (laughs) We are talking about cult crimes. Finally, I know. (laughs) Emily's been pumped about this one for a while. I have been. I. And I think she has a real crime to talk about today. I do. Well, it's
0: hard because- What a treat. Well, you see, cults are interesting, (laughs) and uh, there's a lot to say, and the one I picked is going to make sense. (laughs) It's going to make sense. (gasps) Okay, Emily. (laughs) But first, I guess since we're the wheel of crime, we should spin our wheel of questions. We should spin our wheel of questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. So (laughs) ready. If you started a cult, what would it be about? Like, what's an unpopular idea that you have?
1: Sure. Where everybody must dress as a T-Rex and hail
0: the pasta. And hail the pasta. Praise a, the pasta. So it's a denomination of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster?
1: No, it's the de- it's the denomination of the of the the Alfredo loving T-Rex. Ah, yes. I know him quite well. <laughs> 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 that's what my church is about. I don't know what kind of church you go to, but that's what I do when in my free time.
0: I don't know, maybe I'd start like the the cult of coffee, praise the bean. <laughs> I already belong to that one. So like... you're like, "OMG, I actually follow them on Facebook." <laughs> Aww.
1: Give them a double tap oh. on IG every day. IG. IG.
0: But yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of interesting things to start cults about, but it, but seeing as we are we're for fun. <laughs> I'm good. we for fun. Hmm. What's my
1: future cult about? How can I ruin people's lives in the coolest way possible?
0: (laughs) What's the funnest way to ruin everyone's lives? (laughs) Let me think What are your thoughts on how somebody becomes a cult leader? I know, a serious question You're very on the spot
1: I feel like to become a cult leader you have to be really charismatic. Mm-hmm. You have to be okay with fucking people over,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you have to be really full of yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I feel like I feel like I definitely agree with what you said. I also like think that on top of that, you also have to be somebody who's either strongly believes what you were talking about, or has the presence of mind to know that outwardly you have to be very interested in what you're doing.
1: You basically have to be a really good salesman.
0: More or less, yeah. And then, like, I don't know. There's certainly a lot of things that go into it. And I remember I did read an article once where they were talking about how they felt like in order for a lot of people to successfully become cult leaders, they have to base their ideas and principles around the way that most people already want to live their lifestyle or how they already live their lifestyle. Right. And then just like slowly integrate it in and it has to be something that kind of grows and develops with like, your followers. Like
1: the Manson family with their like love and peace kind of like yep, facade. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. But yeah, we, yeah. we, we think so alike. Anyways. <laughs> We're so cute. We're so, so adorable. Next question. question. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever met somebody who's been in a cult that you know of? Or do you have suspicions? I mean,
1: I may have different views on this than other people. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I feel like I've met some people who definitely believe some cult, like, are in, like, in organizations that's pretty dang culty. Mm. Even if they don't acknowledge it, which they usually don't. But, like, in my opinion, yes. Okay. And also I drove by that one in Saskatchewan that one time, so like I think that counts. That
0: is fair. I don't know, I feel like I probably know somebody who either knows somebody who's been in a cult or I might know somebody who has come out of a cult because it actually is more frequent for kids as they grow up to kind of move away from that kind of lifestyle if that's something that their parents are a part of. Right. But as of this moment in time, I don't actually know anybody who's come forward with that, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It's actually a lot more common than what a lot of people realize. Yeah, it right? really
1: is. I know. Spooky. This spooky? <laughs> Any opportunity? You're done. <laughs> we're going on the next question. I'm not done! No!
0: Do you think that cults today are helped or harmed by the internet?
1: Mm, I feel like it really depends. Because mm. I think... Depending on who you're trying to reach, some really vulnerable people might see that information and might not look beyond it. Mm -hmm. Like for me, the best like example of that is like the Slenderman thing, Mm -hmm. because like a lot of like kids like believe that even though like there's so much proof out there that it's
0: like a video game, yeah,
1: you know that's not real, but like they still believe in it. So I think cults can do like something similar where if they reach the right people... The right demographic. They can convince people. But at the same time, the internet does provide more information, so maybe some people who are, like, on the fence
0: might look it up and, you know, go against that. Exactly. And I picked this question because it is a very in-between question. Because on one hand, you have cults of the past that really relied on lack of information... Yeah. ...to kind of gear towards what they wanted to do because they knew that people wouldn't be able to get other answers. Whereas... Today, with the introduction of the internet, you have more of an ability to find the answers that you're looking for, but at the same time, you also are able to reach out to a wider demographic of people, right? Right.
1: And it's also about knowing the right questions to ask, too, unfortunately. Yes. So, Yeah.
0: Mm hmm. But yeah, I did like that question though. It's
1: a good question. I bet the question writer's super smart.
0: Oh, she is and beautiful and humble. <laughs> wow, what a lady. She's just like the best. You don't even know.
1: What's her name? Uh,
0: I forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How convenient for you. Uh, but should I fire away with our description then? Seeing as we finish our wheel of questions, fire away. In modern English, the term "cult" has come to usually refer to a social group defined by its unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs, and its common its or its common interest in a particular personality, object, or goal. This sense of the term is controversial and has divergent definitions in both popular culture and academia. And it also has been an ongoing source of a contention among scholars across several fields of study and it is usually considered pejorative. But would
1: you like to go first with your story today, or shall I? I'll go first. Okay. All right. So, today, I'm going to butcher some Korean names. Because I love Did that. you said for... Kur- Korean? Korean. Oh, my God. Yeah, Korean names. You said Korean names. I was like, <laughs> who are you? Where? <laughs> so... so Sun Myung Moon was born Moon Young Myung. (laughs) This is a great start. On February 25th, 1920, in modern day North Province in North Korea, at a time when Korea was under Japanese rule. Mm. He was the younger of two sons in a farming family of eight children. Moon's family followed... Confucianist beliefs until he was around 10 years old when they converted to Christianity and joined the Provestian Church. In 1941, Moon began studying electrical engineering at Wadista University in Japan. And during this time, he cooperated with Communist Party members in the Korean Independence Movement against Imperial Japan. Mm. In 1943, he returned to Seoul and married Sun-Kil Choi on April 28th... Don't judge me. I can see the judgment. On April 28th, 1945. On April 2nd, 1946, their son, Sin Jin Moon, was born In the 1940s, Moon attended a church in Sandogodon that was led by the minister Bayak Moon Kim, who claimed that he had been given by Jesus the mission to spread the message of a new Israel throughout the world. Around this time, Moon changed his given name to Sun Myung. Following World War II, Korea was divided and along the 38th parallel into two trusteeships, the United States and the Soviet Union. Pyongyang was a center of Christian activity in Korea until 1945. From the late 40s, 166 priests and other religious figures were killed or disappeared in concentration camps, including Francis Hong Yo Ho, Bishop of Pyongyang, and all monks of can Abbey. Yeah. Oh, you sound like you're doing alright. I'm really struggling. <laughs> in 1947, Moon was convicted by the North Korean government of spying for South Korea and given a five-year sentence in the labor camp. I'm not even going to attempt to like say the name of the labor camp. <laughs> in 1950, during the Korean War, United Nations troops had raided that labor camp, and the guards fled. Moon escaped and traveled to Busan in South Korea. Moon emerged from his years in the labor camp as a staunch anti-communist and his teachings viewed the Cold War between democracy and communism as the final conflict between God and Satan. Speaking of Satan. Speaking of. (laughs) With divided Korea as its primary front line. In 1954, Moon formally founded the Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianity in Seoul. He quickly drew young accolades who helped to build the foundations of the church-affiliated business and cultural organizations. At his new church, he preached a conservative family- family-oriented value system and his interpretation of the Bible. On January 8, 1957, Moon and Cho divorced. Because hmm. she's like, I want none of this cult bullshit. Oh, probably she was like, Ah, oh, this is turning into something weird. <laughs> Peace out, boy. <laughs> Bye. So, Moon said um, that when he was 15 years old, Jesus anointed him to carry out his unfinished work by becoming parent to all of humanity. The Divine Principle, or Exposition of the Divine Principle, is the main theological textbook of the unification movement. It was co-written by Moon and early disciple Hui Wan Yu and first published in 1966. A translation entitled Divine Principle was published in English in 1973. The book lays out the core of the unification theology and is held to have the status of a scripture by by believers. Mm. Following the format of systematic theology includes, one, God's purpose in creating human beings. Uh Two, the fall of man. And three, the restoration, the process through history by which God is working to remove the ill effects of the fall and restore humanity back to the relationship and position that God originally intended. All right. God is viewed as the creator whose nature combines both masculinity and femininity and is the source of all truth, beauty, and goodness. Human beings and the universe reflect God's personality, nature, and purpose. Okay. Okay. The give and take action and the subject and object position are key interpretive concepts and the self is designed to be God's object. The purpose of human existence is to return joy to God. The four position foundation which includes origin, subject, object, and union is another important and interpretive concept and explains in part the emphasis on family. Mm. In 1971,
0: Moon... 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 In <laughs> <moon, laughs> 1977, Moon Moon, then, came out as being a leading figure. <laughs> moon moved to the United States,
1: which she had first visited in 1965. He remained a citizen of the Republic of Korea and maintained a residence in South Korea. In 1972, Moon founded the International Conference on the Unity of the Sciences, a series of scientific conferences. The first conference had 20 participants, while the largest conference in Seoul in in 1982 had 808 participants from over 100 countries. Mm -hmm. Participants for that included Nobel... I don't care. Anyways.
0: (laughs) Noble, I don't care. In
1: 1974, Moon asked church members in the United States to support President Richard Nixon during the Watergate scandal when Nixon was being pressured to resign his office. Mm -hmm. Church members prayed in... In support of Nixon for three days in front of the United States Capitol under the motto, forgive, love, and unite. On February 1st, 1974, Nixon publicly thanked them for their support and officially received moon. So this brought the church into widespread public and media attention. In the 1970s, Moon, who had seldom before spoken to the general public, gave a series of public speeches to audiences in the United States, Japan, and South Korea. The largest were a rally in 1975 against North Korean aggression in Seoul and a speech at an event organized by the Unification Church in Washington, Mm D.C. The Unification movement is among the minority of new religious movements who have introduced their own unique religious texts. Their text, Divine Principle, or Exposition of the Divine Principle, is the main theological textbook of the movement. Followers take as a starting point the truth of Christian Old and New Testaments with the divine principle and an additional text that intends to interpret and fulfill the purpose of those older texts. Moon was intent on replacing worldwide forms of Christianity with his new unified version of it. Moon, being a self-declared Messiah, in effect, the second coming of Jesus. Moon's followers regard him as a separate person from Jesus, but with a mission to basically continue and complete Jesus' work in a new way, according to the principle. The divine principle lays out the core of the Unification Church theology and is held by its believers to have the same status as Holy Scripture, like I said before, Mm -hmm. and the movement is sometimes said to be esoteric and in that it keeps some of its doctrine secret from non-members. A practice that is sometimes called heavenly deception. And in 1979, critics Tingle and Fordyck commented, how different the openness of Christianity is to the attitude of Reverend Moon and his followers who were often reluctant to reveal to the public Many of their basic doctrines. Mm. Since the 1990s, many unification texts that were formally regarded as esoteric have been posted on the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification's official websites. The movement is well known for its wedding or wedding vow renewal ceremony. It is given to engaged or married couples. The members believe the couple is removed from the lineage of sinful humanity and engrafted into God's sinless lineage. Hmm. The blessing ceremony was first held in 1961 for 36 couples in Seoul all at once. All at once. All at once. The Unification Church was really well known for having these mass weddings. Oh, where there's like tons of couples being just like partnered off that day and then married that day. Weird. Yeah. So, the largest one, or the first one was in 1961 for 36 couples in Seoul, South Korea, by the Moons, shortly after their own marriage in 1960. All the couples were members of the church, and Reverend Moon matched all the couples except 12 who were already married to each other before joining the church. Moon's practice of matching couples was very unusual in both Christian tradition and in modern Western culture and attracted much attention and controversy. Later blessing ceremonies were larger scale but but followed the same pattern. All participants were HSA UWC members and the Moon matched most of the couples. In 1982, the first large-scale blessing... Of 2,000 couples outside of Korea took place in Madison Square Garden in New York City. 2,000 people? All at once. Oh my gosh. That he just like paired them up randomly and married them all at the same time. That'd be
0: an exhausting day. By the end, he's just like, you, you. <laughs> Look Someone? to your left. Okay, everybody. Everybody who doesn't have a partner, put up your hand. All right, you guys.
1: (laughs) Whoever's closest,
0: walk towards each other. It's meant to be.
1: (laughs) God. God picked it. God proclaims it, man. In 1988, Moon matched 2,500 Korean members with Japanese members for a blessing ceremony held in Korea, partially in order to promote unity between the two nations. Okay. In 1992, Sung Myon Moon gave the wedding blessing for... Are you ready for it? I'm um, probably not. Thirty thousand couples at the Seoul Olympic Stadium, what? and for thirteen thousand at the Yankee Stadium. <laughs> what? This dude was fucking just like, you get a wife, you get a
0: wife, everybody gets a wife. Weird. That's an exhausting day. I take back what I said before. He must have like right started at like midnight yeah right. right midnight till midnight that's a full 24 hour shift of matching people you'd be like okay you're blonde you're blonde like i don't know i don't you guys look like you're the same height together together you guys you guys are both single you're both you're beside each other matched together
1: together Mary Farwell Bedrowski says the marriage is really the only sacrament in the Unification movement. Unificationists therefore view singleness as not a state to be sought or cultivated, but as preparation for marriage. Hmm. Premarital celibacy and marital faithfulness are emphasized. Adherents may be taught to abstain from intimate relations for a specified time after marriage.
0: Okay.
1: The church does not give its marriage blessing to same sex couples. Well, no surprise there. Shocking. <sighs> Moon has emphasized the similarity between unification views of sexual and evangelical Christianity, reaching out to conservative Christians in this country in the last few years by emphasizing shared goals like support of sexual abstinence outside of marriage and opposition to homosexuality. Mm -hmm. In 1982, Moon was convicted in the United States of filing false federal income tax returns, and conspiracy. Mm. His conviction was held up on appeal in a split decision, and Moon was given an 18-month sentence and a $15,000 fine. He served 13 months of a sentence at the federal corruption institution, Danbury, before being released on good behavior to a halfway house. The case was the center of national freedom of religion and free speech debates. Professor Lawrence H. Tribe of the Harvard University Law School argued that the trial by jury had doomed Moon to conviction based on his religious prejudice. The American Baptist Churches in the USA the nas- and the National Council of Churches, the National Black Catholic Clergy Caucus, and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference... Mm. Wow. Um, That's a mouthful. ...all filed briefs in support of Moon... Many notable clergy, including Jer- Jerry Falwell and Joseph Lowry, signed petitions protesting the government's case and spoke out in defense of Moon. On August 14th, 2012, after suffering from pneumonia earlier in the month, Moon was admitted to St. Mary's Hospital at the Catholic University of Korea in Seoul. and on. August 15, thousand twelve, he was reported to be gravely ill and was put into a respirator at an intensive care unit in the Saint Mary's Hospital. Mm. On August thirty-first, two thousand twelve, he was transferred to a church-owned hospital near his home in Gapyeong, northeast of Seoul. Or so, so, Seoul. Seoul. <laughs> <laughs> northeast of Seoul. <laughs> After suffering multiple organ failure. Moon died the morning of September third, 2012, at 1.34 AM at the age of 92. Ooh, old guy. Old guy. Wow. But yeah, the if you look up the videos of these like mass, you know, weddings, it's crazy. Where? And a lot of people came out saying that like they, you know, were like Paired up with this person they never met before, and they really felt forced into the church, and that they would have to go fundraising for the church to get money. Of course, yeah, yeah. So gotcha. Love that cult life.
0: Hashtag cult life. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, that's an interesting one. Definitely really interesting about the pairing people off though, because even nowadays with like just with having more knowledge of other cultures, that's not even like a typically thing done in other cultures like sure like you'll have other cultures where arranged weddings work but not mass ones
1: well it's really interesting because like if you think about it like doing that and picking someone's partner and like having that much control over their sexuality and their
0: life like that is such a a good form of control well it's a very heavy-handed decision right like you're basically like Controlling people's lives, and by making that decision, you're actually putting more control not just over the individual but over the couple now. I know, right? Mm hmm. Hold on. Makes me wonder how many of those couples actually ended up staying together or actually believe, like, hey, this was my life partner, you know? I know. It's really crazy to think, like,
1: I wonder if any of those people are still together, you know, out of just like fear
0: of God, you know? Yeah, right? So. Hail bop brings closure to heaven's gate. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to conclusion. Graduation from the human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world to go to T's crew. Spooky. I will explain that later on because it'll start to make sense.
1: Okay.
0: So. The son of a Presbyterian minister and former soldier, Marshall Applewhite, began his foray into biblical prophecy in the early 1970s. After being fired from the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas, over an alleged relationship with one of his male students, he met Bonnie Nettles, a 44-year-old married nurse with an interest in uh, theosophy and biblical prophecy. In March 1972, according to Applewhite's writings, the two met in a psychiatric hospital where she worked during his stay there. Oh,
1: good. I love uh, the opening. It's a great
0: start. <laughs> and quickly became close friends. Even better. <laughs> Apple, <laughs> just Apple. just keeps <laughs> It does. Well, that's a matter of opinion. Uh, <laughs> Applewhite later recalled that he felt like he had known Nittles for a long time and concluded that they had met in a past life. Obviously. She, As one does. Uh, She told him that their meeting had been foretold to her by extraterrestrials, (laughs) persuading him that he had a divine assignment. Now, keep in mind, she was working at the hospital. He was the patient.
1: I'm not sure Hmm. that they got that right.
0: (laughs) I'm just saying. Hmm. Anyways.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying maybe they both were there for a reason. Maybe she thought she was working there. She thought
0: it was prophecy. (laughs) She was actually institutionalized. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Applewhite and Nettles pondered the life of St. Francis of Assisi and read works by authors including Helena Blavatsky, Artie Lange, and Richard Bach. Uh, They kept a King James Bible with them and studied several passages from the New Testament focusing on teachings about Christianology, asceticism, Oh. And astrology. Uh, Applewhite also read science fiction, including works by Robert A. Heinlein and Arthur C. Clarke. By June 1974, Applewhite and Nettles' beliefs had solidified into a basic outline. They concluded that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies and that they had been given higher level minds than other people. They wrote a pamphlet that described Jesus' reincarnation as a Texan, a thinly veiled reference to Applewhite. Furthermore, they concluded that they were the two witnesses described in the book of Revelation and occasionally visited churches or other spiritual groups to speak of their identities, often referring them to themselves as the two, the UFO two. That's like their two, two go-to names at this point. Okay. So they believed that they would be killed and then restored to life. And in the view of others transported onto a spaceship, this event, which they referred to as the demonstration was to prove their claims To their dismay, these ideas were poorly received by existing religious communities.
1: For obvious reasons. For
0: obvious reasons. So, eventually, Applewhite and Nettles resolved to contact extraterrestrials, and they sought like-minded followers. They published advertisements for meetings where they recruited disciples who they called the crew. At the events where they they purported... Sorry. At the events they purported to represent beings from another planet the next level, who saw participants for an experiment. They stated that those who agreed to take part in the experiment would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. In 1975, during a group meeting with 80 people in Joanne Culpepper's Studio City home, they shared their simultaneous revelation that they had been told that they were the two witnesses written into the Bible story for the end time. Later in 1975, the crew assembled at a hotel in Waldport, Oregon, after selling all worldly possessions and saying farewell to their loved ones. The group vanished from the hotel and from the public eye, and that night on the CBS Evening News, Walter Cronkite reported that the group had disappeared in one of the very first national reports on the developing religious group. So, this is a clip out of what he had said, so... A score of persons have disappeared. It's a mystery whether they've been taken on a so-called trip to eternity or simply been taken. In reality, Applewhite and Nettles had arranged for the group to go underground. From that point, Doe and T is what they uh, is what the two have now called themselves. Led to nearly 100, led to the nearly 100-member crew across the country sleeping in tents and sleeping bags and begging in the streets. Evading detection by the authorities in the media enabled the group to focus on Doe and T's doctrine of helping the members of the crew achieve a higher evolutionary level above human to which they claimed they had already reached. So, Abelway and Nettles used a, ver- a variety of aliases over the years, notably Bo and Peep and Doe and T. The group also had a variety of names prior to the uh, uh, adoption of the name Heaven's Gate, and at the time a valet studied the group. It was known as Uh, A human individual metamorphosis. The group reinvented and named itself several times and had a variety of recruitment methods. Applewhite believed that he was directly related to Jesus, meaning that he was an evolutionary kingdom level above human. So this is kind of how they're building into the whole extraterrestrial bit that they started with, right? Because they started, with that didn't work. Now they're going...
1: They're they're sneaking around it and just like getting people in and then being
0: like, but aliens. Yeah, pretty much. It's like wearing a t-shirt saying i love jesus on the front of it and then turning around and seeing have you heard of aliens though <laughs> that's basically what it is
1: i love i need that in my life <laughs> <laughs> let's see i'm gonna get you that for your birthday <laughs> A series. that's what
0: it is though because they'd be like hey and then people would be like oh i know jesus and then they turn around and be like aliens huh merch coming soon right <laughs> <laughs> so Indeed. Applewhite's writings, which combined aspects of millennialism, gnosticism, and science fiction, suggest that he believed himself to be Jesus' successor and the present representative of Christ on Earth. Doe and T taught during the religious movement's early beginnings that that Doe's bodily vehicle was inhabited by the same alien spirit which belonged to Jesus. Likewise, T, Nettles so that's who T are, uh, subsequently, was presented as God the Father. The lady of the two of them, Nettles, is supposed to be God the Father in this translation, whereas the man is supposed to be Jesus, but he kind of does most of the like coordinating of things, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So, the cr- so she lets the crazy
1: one do the well, coordinating.
0: I would say they're both a little <laughs> nutty.
1: <laughs> well, but one's like... Been institutionalized. I like, think like a confirmed, like a hard yes. That and, is like, true. By her actions she's also a hard yes, but like
0: still. But she still worked. There. <laughs> but she still
1: like got the job and like did she an still interview. Got <laughs> the job. She had to go to an interview. She had to submit a resume. She, she had to answer questions like a normal person who's not an alien.
0: <laughs> like I don't understand. Gosh, I know. The crew used numerous methods of recruitment as they toured the United States in destitution, proclaiming the gospel of higher-level metamorphosis, the deceit of humans by false god spirits enveloped with sunlight for meditative healing, and divinity of the UFO 2. I know. The divinity of the UFO 2. What a sentence. Very divine. Yep. Throughout the late 70s and early 80s, as their belief system developed around the cult of personalities, membership grew. Some sociologists agree that the popular movement of alternative religious experience and individualism founded in the collective spiritual experiences during that period helped contribute to the growth of the new religious movement, Shiliaism, as it became known was a way for people to merge their diverse religious backgrounds and coalesce around a shared, generalized faith, which followers of a new religious sect like Applewhite's crew found very appetizing alternative to traditional dogmas such as Judaism, Catholicism, and evangelical Christianity. Right? So that's kind of what we talked about earlier, where people find something that already kind of aligns with either what they believe or what they grew up to believe, Mm -hmm. but is an outlier to traditional means. Right. Right. Many of Applewhite's and Nettle's crew hailed from these very diverse backgrounds. Most of them are described by researchers as having long, been longtime truth seekers or spiritual hippies who had long since believed in attempting to find themselves through spiritual means, combining faiths in sort of like a cultural millennium well into the mid 80s. However, remarkably, many of those same researchers note that not all of Applewhite's crew were hippies recruited from the far-left alternative religious backgrounds. In fact, one such recruit early on was John Craig, a respected Republican running for the Colorado House of Representatives at the time of joining in 1975. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. So they were getting people across the board just because they had that bully system that was very kind of in line with something that everybody could find something to identify with in it, right?
1: What is it with well-known politicians supporting crazy religious people? Uh Uh-huh. Like Nixon with
0: the moon guy? And yeah, I know. It happens. As recruit numbers grew in its pre-internet days, the clan of UFO followers all seemed to have in common a need for communal belonging in an alternative path to higher existence without the constraints of institutionalized faith. However, it was not until the death of Nettles in 1985 and Applewhite's subsequent revision of the group's doctrines that the crew gained an eventual reputation as a cyberculture. Weird. A form of of religious thought reform. By the mid-90s, the group had become reclusive, identifying themselves using the business name Higher Source and using their website to proselytize and recruit followers. Rumors began spreading throughout the group in the following years that the upcoming comet Haubop housed the secret to their ultimate salvation and ascendance into the kingdom of heaven. In 1996, members of Doe's clan took their internet recruitment and technical savviness to new levels in a large home that they called the Monastery, a 9,000 square foot residence in Rancho Santa Fe near San Diego, California. The home would eventually be a gathering place for the group's final siren call, and the closure to Heaven's Gate, that the return of hale comet signified, as the group's website used to read, on March 9th through 20th, 1997, Marshall Applewhite taped himself speaking to uh, of mass suicide, and asserted it was the only way to evacuate this Earth. After claiming that the spacecraft that a spacecraft was trailing Comet hale Applewhite persuaded 38 followers to commit suicide so that their souls could board the supposed craft. Applewhite believed that after their deaths, an unidentified flying object would take their souls to another level of existence above human, which he described as being both physical and spiritual. This and other UFO-related beliefs held by the group led some observers to characterize the group as a type of UFO religion. In October 1996, a group purchased alien abduction insurance that would cover up to 50 members... (laughs) <laughs> like what insurance company is like? Yeah, that's that's who I want to cover. I have absolutely no idea, and would pay out one million dollars per person. The policy covered abduction, impregnation, or death by aliens. <laughs> as as it as it would. Like uh, impregnation by an alien. Yes, that's what? a risk.
1: What fucking insurance broker is like? Hell yeah! I just like fooled these bitches. I gave them impregnation <laughs> by alien insurance. <laughs> And like that guy's boss is like, Nick, you the man.
0: <laughs> you get a raise. <laughs> I have no idea, but it did cover that. <laughs> the group rented a nine thousand two hundred square foot mansion located near eighteen thousand three hundred and forty one Colina Nort, later changed to Paseo Victoria in a gated community of upscale homes in San Diego area community of Rancho Santa Fe from Sam Kautiches Fahani <laughs> Fahani
1: <laughs> paying, <laughs>
0: <laughs> paying 7000 per month in cash 38 Heaven's Gate members, plus group leader Applewhite, were found dead in the home on March 26, 1997. In the heat of the California Spring... Right before the next month's rent due. Right before. Just like them. Just like them. In the... (laughs) In the heat of the California Spring, many of the bodies had begun to decompose by the time that they were discovered and the bodies were later cremated. Members took... uh, Phenobarbital mixed with applesauce and washed it all down with vodka. Additionally, (laughs) Same. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Additionally, they secured plastic bags around their heads after ingesting the mix to induce asphyxiation. Authorities found the dead lying neatly in their own bunk beds, faces and torsos covered by a square purple cloth. Each member carried a $5 bill and three quarters in their pockets The $5 bill was to cover vagrancy fines while members were out on jobs, while the quarters were to make phone calls. All 39 were dressed in identical black shirts and sweatpants, brand new black and white Nike Decades athletic shoes, and armband patches reading Heaven's Gate Away Team, one of the many instances of the group using Star Trek fictional universe nomenclature. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. So the adherents between the ages of uh, 26 and 72 are believed to have died in three groups over three successive days, while remaining participants cleaning up after each prior group's death. So fi- uh huh, I know. So 15 members died on March 24th, 15 more on March 25th, and nine on March 26th. So leader Applewhite was the third to. Third to last member to die. Two people remained after him and were the only ones found without bags over their heads. Among the dead were uh, Thomas Nichols, brother to the actress Nichelle Nichols, who is best known for her role as Yura in the original Star Trek television series. That's weird. I know. So... Heaven's Gate members believed the planet Earth was about to be recycled, aka wiped, clean, renewed, refurbished, or rejuvenated. And the only chance for their consciousness, defined sometimes as soul or mind, to survive was to leave their human bodies at an appointed time. Initially, the group had been told that they would be transported with their bodies on board a spacecraft that would come to Earth and take the crew to heaven, referred to as the next level. So when Bonnie Lou Nittles, uh, t had died of cancer in 1985, It confounded Applewhite's doctrine because Nettles was allegedly chosen by the next level to be a messenger on Earth, yet her body died instead of leaving physically to outer space. The belief system was then refined to include the leaving of consciousness from the body as equivalent to leaving Earth in a spacecraft. So basically, both him and Nettles believed, you know, you would be taken physically by a spacecraft, but then when she died, he revised everything and was like, no, actually, this is how you get to the spacecraft (laughs) is when you die.
1: JK, um, uh, guys, that
0: was what I meant all along. You just misunderstood. Pretty much, yeah. While the group was against suicide, they defined suicide in their own context to mean to turn against the next level when it is being offered, and believed their human bodies were only vessels. Uh,
1: so suicide in their mind
0: was not committing suicide. Pretty much. Basically, what it was is if it came time where you could leave to join the spacecraft and you said no, that was basically suicide by continuing to live. Yeah. Nice. Uh huh. So and believe that their human bodies were only vessels meant to help them on their journey. Suicide, therefore, would not be allowing their consciousness to leave their human bodies to join the next level. Remaining alive instead of participating in the group suicide was considered suicide of their consciousness. In conversion, when referring to a person or person's body, they routinely use the word vehicle. So that's another thing, is that if it's they... When I say they, I'm talking about people who have researched cult mentalities and why some of them go towards uh, suicide, some of them go towards other things. The whole thing behind suicide is that it's a disassociation from what your body is. Right. Right? So, the members of the group added Odie to the first names they adopted in lieu of their original given names, which defines the children of the next level. This is mentioned in Applewhite's final video, Doe's Final Exit, filmed March 19th to 20th, 1997, just days prior to the suicides. They believed that to be eligible for membership, humans would have to shed every attachment to the planet. This meant all members had to give up all human-like characteristics such as their families, friends, sexuality, individuality, jobs, money, and possessions. The evolutionary level above human, also known as Tila, was as a physical corporeal place, another world in our universe where residents live in pure bliss and nourish themselves by absorbing pure sunlight. So basically, plants. At the next level, beings do not engage. (laughs) So so this cult
1: is like, we want to be a plant. I want. They're like, I want
0: photosynthesis. They're like, I'm being called to the next level, which means I need to die at this certain day at this certain time, so then I can get onto the space shift and then become a plant and be nourished by sunlight. Photosynthesis, always the answer. Always the answer. At the next level, beings do not engage in sexual intercourse, eating, or dying, the things that make us mammalian here. The Heaven's Gate believe that the, what the Bible calls God is actually a highly developed extraterrestrial. So, members of Heaven's Gate believe that evil space aliens, called Luciferisms, falsely represented themselves to Earthlings as God and conspired to keep humans from developing. Technically advanced humanoids, these aliens have spacecraft space time travel, telepathy, and increased long longevity, they use holograms to fake miracles. Carnal beings without gender, they stopped trying uh, training to achieve the kingdom of God thousands of years ago. Heaven's Gate believed that all existing religions on Earth had been corrupted by these malevolent aliens, the Luciferians. Although these basic beliefs of the group stayed generally consistent over the years, the details of their ideology were flexible enough to undergo modification over time. There are examples of the group adding or slightly changing their beliefs, such as modifying the way one can enter the next level, changing the way they describe themselves, placing more importance on the idea of Satan, and adding several other New Age concepts. One of these concepts was the belief that extraterrestrial walk-ins when the group began, Appleway and Nettles taught their followers that they were extraterrestrial beings. However, after the notion of walk-ins became popular within the New Age subculture, the two changed their tune and began describing themselves as extraterrestrial walk-ins. So the idea of a walk-in is very similar to the concept of being possessed by spirits. A walk-in can be defined as an entity who occupies a body that has been vacated by its original soul. So Heaven's Gate came to believe an extraterrestrial walk-in uh, is a walk-in that is supposedly from another planet. Hmm. So it's another way of saying more or less possession without the... The demon. Without the demon part. It's not malevolent. It's supposed to be a more benevolent type way of phrasing it, but... Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So, according to Heaven's Gate, once the individual has perfected himself through the process, there were four methods to enter or graduate to the next level. Either physical pickup onto a T-Law spacecraft... And transfer onto the next-level body aboard the aircraft. In this version, what uh, Professor Zeller calls a UFO version of the Rapture, an alien spacecraft, (laughs) seriously, (laughs) would descend to Earth, collect apple-white nettles and their followers, and their human bodies would be transformed through biological and chemical processes to being perfected beings. The second one is natural death, accidental death, or death from random violence. Here, the graduating soul leaves the human container for a perfected next-level body. The third one is outside persecution that leads to death. After the deaths of the Branch Davidens in Waco, Texas, and the events involving Randy Weaver at Ruby Ridge, Applewhite was afraid that the American government would murder the members of Heaven's Gate. And number four is willful exit from the body in a dignified manner. Near the end, Applewhite had a revelation that they would need to abandon their human bodies and achieve the next level as Jesus had done. This occurred on March 22nd and 23rd, when 39 members committed suicide and graduated. So open only to adults over the age of 18 group members gave up their possessions and lived a highly uh, aesthetic. I think that's how you say it life devoid of many indulgences. And the group was tightly knit and everything was shared communally in public members only carried a $5 bill and one roll of quarters. As I mentioned earlier, and eight of the male members of the group, including Applewhite, voluntarily underwent castration in Mexico as ex- uh-huh, as extreme means of maintaining this aesthetic lifestyle. The group earned revenues by offering bleh, professional website development for paying clients under the business name Higher Source. The cultural theorist uh, Paul Villaro has described the group as a cyber sect due to its heavily reliance on computer-meditated communication such as a mode of communication prior to the group's collective suicide. Uh, the Heaven's Gate was widely publicized in the media as an example of mass suicide. So when the news broke of the suicides and their relation to the comet Hale-Bopp and co-discoverer of the comet Alan Hale was drawn into the story, Hale's phone never stopped ringing the entire day. He did not respond until the next day when he spoke at a press conference on the subject only after researching details of the incident. So speaking of the Second World Skeptics Congress in Heidelberg, Germany on July 24th, 1998, Dr. Hale discussed the scientific uh, significance and popular lore of comets and gave a personal account of his discovery. Then he lamb- uh, lambasted the combination of scientific illiteracy, woeful delusions, and radio talk shows deception about an imaginary spacecraft following the comet and a cult's bizarre-, bizarre yearnings for ascending to another level that led to Heaven's Gate mass suicides. Hales said that well before Heaven's Gate, he had told a colleague, We are probably going to have some suicides as a result of this comic. The sad part is that I was really not surprised. Comets are lovely objects, and they don't have apocalyptic significance. We must use our minds and our reasoning. Two former members of Heaven's Gate, Wayne Cook and Charlie Humphreys, later committed suicide in a similar manner. Humphreys survived a suicide pact with Cook in May 1997, but ultimately killed himself in February 1998 and the original 39 deaths also motivated the April 1997 suicide of a 58-year-old California man who left a note saying he hoped to join the dead Heaven's Gate members. Scary. Mm -hmm. So So today, there are still two surviving members that still maintain the group's website. Although it has not been altered since the suicide, the two do not identify themselves in interviews, and yes, this website is still up. To close, whether hale has a companion or not is irrelevant from our perspective. So this is coming from the website itself, so I'm speaking as if from the perspective of Heaven's Gate members. However, its arrival is joyously very significant to us at Heaven's Gate. The joy is that our older member in the evolutionary level above human, the Kingdom of Heaven, has made it clear to us that hale approach is the marker we have been waiting for. The time for the arrival of the spacecraft from the level above human to take us home to their world. In the literal heavens, our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to a conclusion graduation from the human evolution if you study the material on this website you will hopefully understand our joy and our what our purpose here on earth has been you may even find your boarding pass to leave with us during this brief window we are so very thankful we have been recipients of this opportunity to prepare for the membership in their kingdom and to experience their boundless caring and nurturing and this clip is the last thing last quote-unquote official post made by those people before they committed suicide. That's absolutely fucking nuts. And that is my story. And that is why I wanted to cover Heaven's Gate because aliens.
1: Because it's crazy.
0: Right? That's it for today. Yep. That brings us to the end of our episode. So this is Emily signing off. Bye. Bye.